Hello, this is Michael Stone, the host of Conversations. We're committed to bringing you leading-edge thinkers in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, and spiritual fulfillment. On our program, we look for positive solutions to local and global issues that leave you touched, moved, and inspired to action. Our weekly guests include local and global experts and concerned citizens working together to heal the wounds that separate, alienate, and marginalize people. Welcome to Conversations. This is your host, Michael Stone. I am so excited about today's amazing guest. Claire Dubois is the founder of treesisters.org. It's a global women's movement supporting humanity's evolution into a restorer species. She is an earth-loving social entrepreneur and inspirational speaker known for her direct catalytic energy, her whole system's approach to behavior change, and her unending loyalty and love for the natural world. In her own life, her aim is to reclaim balance, astonish herself, and by waking permission for those who are fed up of being held back and just want to have a go. So let's go, Claire Dubois. Welcome. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> so awesome. So let's just start out talking about Tree Sisters. How did it come about and what's your vision? Oh gosh, it came about because I had a car crash and um, I was literally given Tree Sisters fully formed, like taking dictation, having crashed into a tree. So um, preceding that, I'd basically been, I'd gone through the Pachamama training and so I was out in the world looking for this, you know, where is my spiritually fulfilling, sustainably, you know, sustainable, you know, the whole Pachamama thing, social justice triad that would make sense in relationship to climate change. And I'd found an organization in Southern India called Project Green Hands. And I thought that was it because that was basically um, a reforestation revolution inside of a caste culture that was coming out of an ashram so it had this really deep spiritual integrity the whole thing was about volunteering as a path back to yourself reuniting people in relationship with the natural world and i was studying their social strategy and i wanted it to come west i was just like if they can do it in a caste culture we can do it in the west because we need everybody mobilizing around the trees and i was en route to a communications meeting where i was going to hand over my whole strategy that i'd spent three years creating to this other group of people and instead i swerved on ice and instead of going over an edge a tree stopped me and um, i crashed the car it took me years later to think that that was actually a fantastic metaphor for humanity with trees stopping us going over an edge and yeah, um and it was a life-threatening edge wasn't it well it was a it was enough of an edge that i could potentially have been in real difficulties i mean it was basically a very steep field into a ravine mm -hmm. um at the bottom and so i could have I don't know what would have happened. The point was the tree stopped me going over an edge and there was a blinding flash of white light and two words, the experiment in the light inside the car. And then a male voice started talking to me and it basically gave me tree sisters. You know, mm. your project is called tree sisters. You have to reforest the tropics within 10 years. You have to mobilize the women, the women are the missing piece. The women are the womb carriers and earth is womb. All this stuff around feminine consciousness. It's a crowdfunding mechanism. You have to make it as normal to give back to nature as it currently is to take nature for granted. I mean, really very specific instructions. And this wasn't a, this wasn't a voice in my head. This was literally as if somebody had put on a loudspeaker inside my car. So I mm -hmm. couldn't miss it. Interesting that it was a male voice. Interesting that it was a male voice. And I heard it twice in my life, once then and once nine months later when I finally said yes, because I said no for nine months. Mm -hmm. I had a proper pregnancy with this one. And um, I freaked out. I mean, I, I understood why I was being asked to do what I was being asked to do. Uh, I understood the logic. It made total sense. You know, it ended with women have to remember who and what they really are. Feminine consciousness has to be reinstated or it's over. Yeah. And I couldn't argue with that. You know, women don't know what we are. We know what we've been conditioned to be in order to be safe. The vast amount of feminine consciousness on this planet is suppressed. If it was active, we'd be in relationship with each other and the natural world and we wouldn't be able to trash it. 
patriarchy has been this bizarre experiment in domination of everything feminine, including life and women. And we're dominating ourselves into a state of potential extinction. Well, that's not going to work. So I can understand when life says feminine consciousness has to be reinstated or it's over. Because if we're not in dynamic relationship with all that is, we're going to trash it and ourselves. So, okay, you know, I get that. And not every day somebody says to you, you have to reforest the tropics within 10 years. Or they say, you have to make it as normal to give back to nature as it currently is to take nature for granted, which is where the whole core of tree sisters being about the 180 from being an unconscious consumer species to a conscious restorer species comes from. How do we seed sacred reciprocity back into human consciousness? Mm -hmm. How do we make it as normal to give back as it is to take? Mm. And so it started by being told to do this. I fought it. I eventually said yes. The voice came back. It told me that I had to do it through the women. Um, I acquiesced. I started and, I've, and I didn't know what I was doing. So this was, this was a, an out and out experiment. And the point about the point about those two words in the car, the experiment, I mean, I, they literally were in black font, new times italics, sitting inside bright white light inside my car. And I, and I don't like new times italics. So I was looking at this font <laughs> that I don't even like. So I was really like, life created this bizarre moment. And the, but the voice said, humanity is running out of time. It's going to take all of us rising to the challenge. The single greatest threat facing humanity is fear of failure. But you can get over fear of failure by calling everything you do an experiment because you can't fail an experiment. You can only learn. Mm -hmm. Then I said, what's the experiment? And back came, you have to reforest the tropics within 10 years. But the amazing thing about that was every time I've tried to give up, which has been many times, my team have just said, hey, it doesn't matter. You can't fail. It's an experiment. We're learning. So I lay that at the hand of all the listeners here to say, we run out of excuses, everybody. Mm. There is no more time for hesitation. It's going to take all of us. Yes, we don't know what we're doing. Yes, we're going to make it up as we go along. But life is thrown down a gauntlet in climate change. We get to experiment. You can't fail. You cannot fail. There is no such thing as failure. So just bloody have a go. <laughs> I love that. You know, Paul Hawkins' last book, Drawdown, if you took two of the hundred things that he suggested as ways to combat and turn things around in terms of climate change, they would be number one, and that is the empowerment of women and the education of girls. It's interesting because you're talking about the feminine. And some people could look at this as just, oh, you're going out to plant trees like Wangara Mathai, you know, and, and what she was doing. But this is what I love about what you're doing. It's whole systems. It's whole it, systems. It, it really is. And, and I'd like you to explain how this particular project can improve the livelihood of women, the economic situation, the relationships to family education, how it brings people together, and it reconstructs the web of life in a sense. Well, it does, it does that. And so Paul, you know, Paul got behind us. He rang me up one day and said, you realize you've got the top solution to climate change? Mm -hmm. because, if you, because women and trees both come up several times in the top 10, 100 mm -hmm. solutions. Mm -hmm. If you add them together, they come out number one. Yep. But what he said was actually the number one that should have been there is behavior change, but they couldn't measure it. Like consciousness shift is the number one thing, but, they, but you can't measure it. Mm -hmm. But what Tresis is actually fundamentally doing is behavior change that leads to reforestation. So the whole systems thing actually goes even further than what you've just said. So nine months after I had the car crash and I tried not to do it, and I eventually, because everything I did failed, I tried to do what I was asked to do, but for men and women and I, everything I did just went worse and worse wrong until I was just like, okay, I'm sorry. What am I doing wrong? And the voice came back and said, you can do all of that, but you do it through the women. I said, okay, well, then tell me what a tree sister is. And the voice said, it's a woman who makes five choices to be considerate of life, encouraging of her sisters, intimate with nature, courageous with her gifts and responsible for its upkeep. Wow. For nature's upkeep. And I ran home and I drew a five pointed star. And I said, tell me where they go. And they said, consideration in the, in the head, encouragement in the left arm, intimacy in the left leg, responsibility in the right leg, and courage in the right arm. Hmm. 
And I looked at it for a while and I thought that kind of makes sense, but I don't get why. And then three weeks later, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, holy shit, that's five element acupuncture. And I ran downstairs and I looked at it and I was like, wow, we've been given five element acupuncture, but for consciousness. And then for the next two and a half years, I worked with groups of women sitting on cushions in that constellation of five interrelated aspects of humanity to understand the energetic flows that happen between them. Mm. And it's the same flow that happens every time. Two flows, exactly the same as five element acupuncture, the flow that, that controls energy and the flow that serves energy. So we have a whole systems approach that looks at spirituality or our ability to face truth. And that that is both the truth of our impending doom, if we carry on the way that we are, but also the reality of ourselves being part of a greater consciousness that's running the show. Hmm. So you have a choice to use your mind in service to or in, in awareness of a greater consciousness. The human heart, which is encouragement or embrace, we call it now, opening our heart in relationship to each other, creating a safe community within which it's, it's safe enough to feel how things are, which is the third place, embody, feeling your, your body as a part of nature and being able to receive nature's wisdom. Those first three things, which we now call reveal, embrace, and embody, mm-hmm. that's the feminine principle. That's the, ma- the mind bowing to life, the heart bowing to its longing for love, and the body bowing to its part, itself as part of nature. When the feminine principle is established, you are going to live as if self, other, and nature matters. So if you reinstate the feminine principle, the masculine principle starts to make sense in relationship to life. So the fourth thing, which is responsibility, is our ability to respond from the open mind, the open heart, and the open body, in which case how we live takes care of ourselves, each other, in the natural world. When I realized that, when I realized that we would, we'd been given a structure that actually um, rebalanced the masculine and feminine, turned it on its head, basically said the masculine principle exists to serve the feminine. It exists to serve life into its fullness. Mm. And, and it's there to husband life into its fullness. Then the expression of our hearts, which is courage, the outbreath of the heart, which is the right arm, becomes how we give our gifts in relationship to the awakening, the gathering the deepening into nature connection and the living as if life matters, which is the rest of the map. And so we have this virtuous circle that um, basically informs everything we do. So that, so that map, which is we call the map of five choices mm-hmm. is the soul of tree sisters. It underpins absolutely everything that we do. So then it says we do, um, we do inner work and outer work. We do the deep relational work and we do measurable, measurable impact driven reforestation. So we do, the inner work of behavior change, which is shifting consciousness, bringing us into community and opening our hearts, working through the barriers to that, helping people come into relationship with their bodies and understand how to have actual nature connection out of which we can no longer still keep destroying the natural world. Mm -hmm. Then we give them paths of action to take one of which is making it normal to give back to nature. So everybody's giving money and we're channeling that to the tropics. Then we're working with, with what's barriers to feminine leadership, which across the heart line, you've got the community and then you've got your, your courage to give your gift. So we build a community that encourages women to give their gifts. And so it's a completely holistic model in terms of how to help Western women get over their stuff and get into leadership. So how to go from apathy into action or activism. Now, inside of that, one aspect of the whole map is reforestation, because in the place of responsibility or how do we live, how we live is supposed to be, you know, as if life matters, as if self, other and life matters, in which case we're pumping carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. We all know we're doing it. We know what's coming. We've known the science for years. How many of us are doing anything about it? Well, the simplest thing you can do about it is give as much money as you can every month to fund tropical reforestation because the tropical forest belt is the last bastion. It's like if we lose the, the, the ice at the poles, which we are, which is the primary cooler of the planet, the next primary cooler of the planet are the tropical forests around the hottest band of our planet. She uses, Gaia uses those tropical forests. She uses the heat to drive transpiration, to create the rain and to force the hydrological cycle. 
Now, if we lose the poles and we lose the tropical rainforests, we're losing the differential between ice and forest that causes all the temperate climates in between to happen. And so those of us in the temperate regions that go, well, the tropics are so far away, I don't understand. If we lose the tropical rainforest, we lose temperate weather. End of story. Mm. So you can plant as many tropical trees with us as you want to, hopefully as much as you physically can, and we will basically sequester three times as much carbon as you would if you were planting in temperate zones. And, uh, and inside of that part of Tree Sisters, which is the tree planting project, yes, our projects are social and they're environmental. So they transform the socioeconomic status of a lot of women, but also men. Some of our projects are more heavily women than others. Um, and they restore ecosystems and they protect endangered species and they're re recharging the groundwater and, 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 you know, and we're building relationship between those of us in the Western world who are the drivers of climate change and those who are on the coal front, you know, the coal face of climate change, who aren't the ones who are causing the problem in the first place. Right. So we're, we're essentially trying to weave, we're not trying, we are, we're weaving um, relationship back together at the fundamental level you know, us and those who are struggling, us and nature, us and the trees, us and ourselves, you know, all of it, the whole thing needs to happen for there to be a, a substantial enough shift whereby we have normalized the act of taking care of our world mm -hmm. rather than it just being something that you have to tell somebody to do. It has to become something that is so natural to a human being. As natural as it is to consume without thinking, it needs to become as natural to take care. Yeah. I love the way you're using using, I'll call it using, because you know, when I look out there, the most fundamental belief or assumption that seems to be at the heart of all of our suffering is the myth of separation, that we're somehow separate. We're separate from our bodies. You talked about the body. It is the instrument we have, and so many people are disembodied. And don't they're, even know it. They're numb, yeah. I always think of, uh, James Joyce, Mr. Duffy lived a short distance from his body. You know, <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing. And, and I worked in the corporate world, so I have a real direct experience of yeah. that. But also, separate from our emotions, there's so much that's happening that needs to be grieved and that has happened historically that needs to be grieved. And I think people are really afraid of the magnitude of the grief. Your particular project though really causes reconnecting in so many ways. And I'd love for you to talk about a little more about that, how we can break down this way of separating ourselves and talking about them over there. You know, here we are on a planet that's on fire and we're talking about them, but everyone is affected by it. And um we have to overcome this othering that goes on and start using, I think. Yeah, and there's so much in what you've just asked me, and I'm probably going to just totally not answer any of your questions now. It's okay. Um, because where, <laughs> We're doing where, fine. You, well, where you took me was, you know, I refused to do tree sisters for a long time because I was just terrified and totally inadequate and in my own stories mm -hmm. about blah. Um, one of the things that, in the end had me think, okay, I'll give it a go, was because I see at the energetic levels in, inside of consciousness, these huge fractures, massive fractures. Mm -hmm. So fractures of racism, fractures of sexism, fractures of just out and out violence, which are so deeply traumatic to us inside of a world that doesn't teach us how to work with our emotions doesn't teach us about reactivity, doesn't teach us about consciousness, doesn't teach us about relationship. It teaches you about how you're supposed to be in order to be acceptable, yeah. which is basically pretty much saying in and of itself, who you are is fundamentally flawed. Now come over here and try and be this thing. So we have en masse been conditioned away from ourselves at every level of being. Mm -hmm. And, we've, and so we've also been collectively en masse shamed away from nature connection. You know, I can remember as a 
11 year old walking up the hill with my mum talking about how embarrassing it was that there were still people that lived in rainforests and that wouldn't it be great if we could get them all out and teach them agriculture because that's what I was being taught at school you know I sound like a Chinese person talking about the Tibetans I sound like the you know Brazilian president president talking about the indigenous people in Brazil that was me aged 11 because I had been properly educated away from any understanding of the sacred any understanding of reverence for nature and actually we've been so shamed away from it you know to be a tree hugger is it's an insult mm -hmm. to some or it's used as an insult same way that a hippie is you know you love nature oh my god you can't possibly love nature because if you do that prevents us from being able to just massacre it and and tell everybody that that's the most appropriate thing you know the the way that the world is trying to get rid of indigenous peoples faster and faster. Why? Because the consciousness of those indigenous peoples is in direct opposition to this very disconnected, dominance-based mindset that we've all inherited that basically says, use nature, don't be in relationship with nature, which fundamentally points to don't be in relationship which fundamentally points to avoid intimacy, which we could go down a whole religious pathway with that. You could go down a scientific pathway with that. But ultimately, if you have to avoid intimacy, the best way to do that is to judge. Yeah. So then we use judgment of each other to manage the fact that we don't know how to deal with intimacy. We don't know how to deal with our emotions in relationship to other we don't know how to deal with the deepest wounds in our psyche, which are the severance from, of us from nature as our greatest self. So we're living a lie over here, a normalized lie, which is absolutely agony. It's spiritually bankrupt, largely. There's this bloody great vacuum of nothingness where something ought to be, which is life and our place in life and our belonging to life. And we're taught by the powers that be that the way to deal with that emptiness is to consume the crap out of the planet and have more stuff to fill the hole. Mm -hmm. So we're driving, we're in a disconnected state that has been normalized that you're supposed to stay loyal to in order to keep up appearances. And then we're, and then we're driving consumption in order to manage the gaping hole, which is getting bigger and bigger because we're getting technologically so removed from ourselves. I and, want to talk about, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no I, could, I could just go on. So uh, I, I was, one of the things that came up for me as you were talking was, you just talked about technologically and while I see the potential of technology as a gift, I also see the, uh, the very dark side of what's happening with, with not only, uh, I don't know if you know Tristan Harris's work, uh, but if you don't, you really need to know it. He, he was, he's considered the conscience of Silicon Valley. And Tristan has revealed very much the mind control that's happening oh, with yeah. technology and how it's designed and how we actually could design systems in technology to work. But the impact of people walking around looking at their phone all the time, looking at Facebook all the time, in many instances, we're getting further and further away from our connection, even our feet on the earth when you're in your iPhone, you don't have your feet even on the earth, you're not in your body. Talk about the impact of technology. And also another part of technology is, well, technology will save us. Science is oh. gonna come up with a pill that, and so that's how one of the many ways that we avoid taking, we, we give in to, well, I'm just me, I can't do anything. And we avoid taking any kind of responsibility which is your fourth uh, level in your, in your map there. So talk about technology and what you see there and how that's impacting us and how it possibly could impact us. Well, you know, I don't want to completely dismiss technology because I think in the way that Pachamama says there's a marriage between the eagle and the condor, there's a marriage between right. um, uh, technology and nature. Mm -hmm. um, we're not going to get rid of technology, so there's no point arguing with it. Of course, I will argue with it, but it's pretty pointless arguing with it. Um, the point is, technology at the expense of nature is dangerous. Technology, when we think that it's going to be the, you know, technology, weathering, pumping heavy metals into the atmosphere, which they're doing without anybody's permission, mm -hmm. because we no longer can, you know, 
none of us can protect our soils anymore. Why is there mass, mass die-off happening all around the world of the trees? One of the reasons is because they can't hydrate themselves anymore because of the metal that's going into it. That's a technological fix. Let's talk about technology and how we can use our genius to force living systems even more out of balance. You know, technology, the smart technology. Well, so part of this is because we have been brought up in as our species to give our power away. Mm-hmm to elect ridiculous bloody leaders who have the worst value systems as far as I can make out now, um, to, 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 to be divisive very often, um, to not have the best at heart because somehow we seem to be in this caricature need to have the patriarchal system strut around being the very worst of itself before hopefully we wake up to the fact that we all have individual power and we can't just give that power away. Well, one of the things that we're doing so we're giving our power away to technology and we're assuming that technology is going to save us. Again, to me, that's an, it's, a, it's a stepping away from intimacy with the natural world. It comes back again to a, a fundamental fear of intimacy, a fear of feeling. It's all about avoidance of feelings. Um, the reality is, for me, the majority of the metals and the minerals that are needed for the technology of the smart future that everybody's talking about, the majority of those metals are underneath the last remaining intact forest on the planet. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, do we want nature's technologies that's going to save us? Or are we going to kill nature and try and create a completely AI, technologically advanced civilization that has completely destroyed the natural world upon which it depends? You can't have, you can't have both it doesn't exist so we are heading for this colossal well we're in it really the crash that is the result of the the living systems are now so critically shredded that um, we no longer know whether we can sustain life on this planet if you're talking to indigenous cultures they'll say we've got five years to turn this around yeah. You know, um, we, we are seriously running out of time and I don't know whether we can because all, all the tipping points that everybody keeps saying, oh, and the tipping points tip, they've already tipped all of them. Yeah. Um, so, but so I live Claire, in this world where, I just yeah. want to say one thing about technology, yeah. which is yeah. one of my standard responses is the primary technology that we need is love. Mm-hmm. My second thing is the, the, the technology that we most need are nature's technologies that she has created, that she knows how to heal herself with the soils, the forests, the kelp forests, the mm-hmm. sea grasses, the meadows. She created herself in a particular way with an absolute exquisite intelligence that knows exactly how to live in balance and waste nothing. Yeah. We need as a human species to bow in humility before the miraculous natural world that we have mm-hmm. and learn from her and work with her. And if we're going to create technologies, it needs to be to help create more of her. You know, I've been, I was really anti drones. And then I started researching up on drones and I can actually really see a a, a role that they can play a massive role that they can play. Um, But we're talking about people that are saying, let's mine the mountains and trash the forests to get the minerals, to create machines that suck carbon out of the atmosphere rather than saying, let's, regrow the forests, restore the global forest, and let the technologies that life created for sequestering carbon that also happen to hydrate the planet, create rain, foster biodiversity, generate soil, blah, 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 you know, the million and one things that trees do for us. Let's have nature do her thing. But the bizarre mindset of humans says, no, let's kill the forests to get the minerals to create machines that suck carbon out of the atmosphere. Like, this is where I start to want to jump up and down, run down the street naked mm. and scream at everybody. <laughs> well, a couple things. One is the whole issue of love has to start with loving those denied parts of ourselves. The I'm too small, I'm unable, I can't do it, who am I to say? All that negative conditioning, we have to learn to, to love that and open our system. And we're talking about living systems. This may be remedial for some of our listeners, but I don't think so. We barely touched on really why does say the Amazon basin affect me here in California now or in Canada to talk about how it impacts the Gulf Stream, the air streams, the circulation of the planet. I don't think a lot of people really grasp 
the depth of our actions on these things that are basically invisible forces to us. Yeah, we don't have so, joined up thinking is the yeah, problem. Exactly, exactly. So I would love it if we took a little bit of time to give people a basic understanding of a whole systems perspective on our ecosystem. I mean, I know it's, we, we can't get too technical, but we can explain the basics. And I'd love it if you could just talk about it, start it starting with carbon and carbon sequestration. Carbon sequestration, it yeah. is, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'll just build a little bit on what I said before, because it is mm -hmm. my, it's my current rant. Mm -hmm. um, my current rant is basically around the fact that um, in the same way that there's no other, mm -hmm. there's no over there right. either. Mm -hmm. um, because over there is intimately connected to over here because if the ecosystem over there collapses it's going to have a knock-on effect for the ecosystem over here it's very very personal to me because I'm English and England is at the latitude of Labrador the only reason we have got a temperate climate is because of the Gulf Stream that comes up from Mexico the Gulf Stream depends upon the ice melt happening in a particular way in the poles to actually to, pro to provide the pump. It's the sinking of water at one end that causes the cold water to go back down and to, and it basically there's a, there's another channel that goes all the way down to Antarctica, largely much lower, like much greater depths in the ocean. <clears throat> so you've got warm air, warm sea that's circulating up from the Gulf. It's going up, it hits it, like the coast of England and, and, northern europe and then it's cooling as it hits the poles and it's sinking there's a differential between um saline water and uh and the fresh water that is actually melted in the ice that causes these amazing i can't remember what they're called um but there's like there's 12 core places up there where the water actually cascades and those cascades are like spirals and they're like pumps well only five of those cascades are still remaining and they're working at about half level <clears throat> why is that because the greenland ice sheet has been melting since 1963 the amount of freezing cold fresh water that is now pouring into the into the northern atlantic is completely disrupting the gulf stream yeah. so very shortly the gulf stream very probably is going to stop operating and it will shorten itself we don't know you know if it, even if it's going up as far as england or or south of there it doesn't have the mechanism to cause it to go back down. The mechanism is breaking down. So while I'm saying, so, so years ago, where this all started for me was I was having nightmares that there were no more clouds in England. There was no more rain. Like for about a year, I dreamt about no more rain in the UK. Well, people don't think about rainforests creating rain. People don't think about the Amazon rainforest providing, you know, more, there's more rain water in the actual flying rivers that come out of the Amazon and are distributed as rainfall to the rest of the planet than there are in the Amazon River itself on a daily basis. The flying rivers that the trees create through transpiration are, have produced more water than the Amazon River itself. The Amazon River is so big, when you're at the mouth of it, you can't see either side of the estuary. Like it's colossal river. Now we, we have totally taken for granted the fact that our planet arranged herself with ice at her poles to cool her and tropical forests around her waist to use the power of the heat at the tropics to pull moisture off the oceans because that's what trees do if you have a forested continent the transpiration that rises from those forests provides an updraft which pulls moisture from the sea onto the land so the trees themselves are creating moisture through transpiration which is basically um, photosynthesis they're turning you know light and carbon dioxide into sugar but a byproduct of that is oxygen and water you know they just happen to provide the air that we breathe and the, ra the rain that we need to grow our food with <clears throat> but that water as it rises basically is sucking water off the oceans. so trees hydrate continents by pulling oceanic moisture they hydrate continents because their root systems channel the rain from the surface of the ground down through the root systems into the aquifers. Mm -hmm. 
When you remove trees, if you remove enough trees, that whole process reverses. The oceans start to pull the moisture from the land back out to the oceans. What we're starting to see with Amazonia is the forest is starting to dry out, which is why last year, so only 20% of the forest is gone. But we're talking about a forest that is as big as the face of the moon. And that, and that has a specific function around the hydrological cycle of this entire planet. It's like a pump. The transpiration, the water goes up, it comes down, the trees absorb it again, they transpire it again, it goes up, it comes down, and it forms this pulsing that pumps these flying rivers around the planet. If enough of the Amazon is deforested, the pumps will start to break down. The rainfall will not flow. We'll be in England, and I don't know whether we'll have rain anymore. So... Right now, our planet has lost 50% of its precipitation. Yeah. That's rainfall. That's food. Stop thinking bad weather and start thinking rain is food. We can't do without it, especially if we're going to frack all our groundwater and poison the crap out of everything. There's no more fresh water on this planet. And there's no more beautiful fresh water on this planet than water that has been filtered through the body of trees. You know, we eat fruit without thinking. This water in this fruit has been filtered through every cell of this tree, like exquisitely filtered water. That water that is then transpired out of trees, it goes all the way up in these flying rivers. It touches the ozone layer. The ozone layer disinfects it. So we've got perfectly filtered, perfectly disinfected, amazing, exquisite water that is channeled around us and then drops on us. Now, <clears throat> if, we, if we lose the poles, which we are, they're basically saying there's going to be no... Um, year-long ice by 2022, then the whole, um, the whole system of the flow that is needed in order to maintain the Gulf Stream is going to break down in the next few years. That means very possibly the climate of the whole of the Northern Europe is going to change within the next two to five years. What is Europe doing about that? Sweet FA, they're basically blathering on about Brexit and whether or not it makes sense at a time when all hell is about to break loose that you should basically separate off from the people that you've been working with all of this time and not look at the fact that community is the single most important thing that we're going to need from here on in. Yeah. <clears throat> so England, I say to England, okay, if we want a temperate climate, we need, in order for that to happen, we need cold poles and we need a restored tropical forest belt because it is the differential between the cold and the heat and all the flows that the forests provide that cause the jet streams that cause the basically that cause the cycles of ocean currents and air currents that move the water around our planet and also move the oceanic nutrients around our planet. So she's, she created herself in this exquisite way to feed everybody to produce all these different weather systems and all these different species that could survive in all these different weather systems. And basically we're trashing it, we're splitting it apart. It requires all the trees in the tropics to be there. It requires the sea ice to be there. It requires our planet to be a certain temperature so that the sea ice can be there and so that the, the forests are not burning. People basically say, oh, if we can just stay beyond below two degrees. If we get to two degrees, there is no polar ice and there is no tropical forest. They will have burnt because they'll have dried out. Yeah. If we let the tropical forests burn, which they're starting to, and if we let the ice go, which it is doing, we have no cooling. And then we just have, you know, ex, you know people don't, don't really understand what runaway climate change or accelerated warming is. Well, it's just going to get hotter and hotter. And then you're talking about, you know, I live in California, so do you, well, you used to. Fires, more fires, what are fires? Fires are all that locked carbon in the forests going up into the atmosphere, making it hotter and hotter. It's getting hotter and hotter. What do we do? We put on the air conditioning. What, what does that take? It requires more fossil fuels. It's getting colder and colder in the winter because we're having wild climate extremes now because she can't regulate herself because we're taking away the mechanisms that she requires to regulate herself, the forests and the ice. Without those, it's going bonkers. We're too cold. We burn more fossil fuel. It's too hot. We burn more fossil fuel. There's the natural feedback loops of too much methane released from the Arctic, or there's the human feedback loops, which are we trash the planet. It gets more extreme. We need more fossil fuels in order to cool ourselves. I mean, it's, it's terrifying. <clears throat> now, what's not in the mix is human brilliance born of reconnection to nature. 
What's not in the mix is the rising of the feminine, which I don't believe she would arrange to happen at the very last minute before a last gasp and we trash ourselves. You know, the feminine is rising. If you know the science, it's terrifying what's going on. But if you understand a little bit more about consciousness, which I say very, you know, I know a little bit more about consciousness, but what I do know is in those moments where I have been in a state of profound nature connectedness, my consciousness cannot dominate another thing. And I also know that if you're talking about indigenous cultures, they know how to work with the weather. They know how to work with creating, bringing water up to the surface of the planet. You know, the Kogi know how to do ritual at Fukushima and reduce radiation. They know how to work with a living planet because they're in dynamic conscious relationship with a living planet. If humanity could learn how to live in relationship with a human planet, we have no idea what our capacity and our potential would be. Now you could say there is not a hope in hell that humanity is going to make a shift away from consumption and the feeding frenzy that we've got going on in the next five years if we've got five years to turn this around. And I would say, yeah, you're probably right. But oh my God, what a bloody gauntlet life has thrown down and what could we achieve in five years? And every ounce of my being is pointed towards what is possible and how are we going to do it? Because the truth, as far as I can make it, is you are life. Every single person that is listening to this is life. Life does not want to kill itself. Therefore, the solutions and the possibility of how we get out of this are inside each and every one of us. We just have to access it. The DNA of our solutions is right here. We just need to have the courage to say, business as usual is not going to continue. I'm going to become a radical voice for the planet. And I'm going to listen to what life is telling me on the inside. And then I'm going to turn that into solutions. And then I'm going to give it all I've got. Failure is not an option. It doesn't exist. Let's get on with it. Brilliant. I love that. And our perceptions are based on our current beliefs. And they shape our worldview, which shapes our actions in the world. Talk a little bit about belief change work and how your work is actually helping to bring that about by altering people's perception of the world and our interaction with the natural world. Oh, so we're about to start a six month inner journey, which is basically the map that I talked to you about, which we've, the words that we use now are reveal, embrace, embody, activate, shine and belong. And um, we are, you know, every month at full moon, we meditate and we meditate on a specific capacity of our, of our humanity. So in July, full moon, we will be meditating on reveal. Reveal is our capacity to bow in humility before what we do not know. Now, one of the easy ways you can do that is by looking at what we do know. And it's so damn terrifying. You don't know what to do with yourself. So one of the ways to pull yourself back from the brink of absolute despair is to go into not knowing. Okay. I do not know how we're going to get ourselves through this. If I try and arrange my brain to know how we're going to get through this, it ties itself in knots. My spiritual teacher used to say to me, trying to understand the workings of the universe with your mind is like trying to empty an ocean into a bucket using a spoon. So that's permission for me to say, okay, throw out the mind. My mind's only going to give me a conditioned response. Okay, that's not going to give me what I need. My body intelligence, however, is created from this planet. This planet's intelligence is billions of years old. So what if I actually bow my mind to the wisdom of my heart and the wisdom of my body and start to ask questions? That's, we, that's month one in the, what we call the journey, the inner journey of awakening. Can we acknowledge the fact that we don't have the answers right now, but they need to be inside us. Can we, but they are inside us. Can we therefore figure out how to arrange our minds in order to receive those answers, which in our map is bow to the, bow to the heart and bow to the body. Now, in order to even go there, you have to acknowledge the fact that what we're doing isn't working. So first port of call is, are you willing to step out of denial and acknowledge what's going on? So the shadow of reveal is denial. So denial is the, is the thing, is the currency that we've used in order to deal with the fact that we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know how to deal with our shame or our fear or the, our fear of change or our fear of each other or our fear of stepping into our own power, which is why we give it away to idiots. You know, all of those things where we haven't matured enough inside ourselves to be able to say, okay, I can stand in my own authority as a sovereign being and make a bloody difference and I don't care what anybody thinks. 
you know that power is inside us but our culture has not been feeding us the messages to believe in ourselves our culture has been feeding us the messages that we need to feel thoroughly insecure and follow the crowd and do the things that keep us not feeling mm -hmm. so you have to be prepared to wake up to go is this a sane world no is this a sane economic system no is this a sane is this a sane political system no is this a sane you know is anything here sane actually no therefore why am i buying into it why am i feeding it with my, you know why am i funding it with my life force and my and my money why am i why am i paying into a system that is designed to kill life yeah. now if you can let yourself wake up enough to just go this is insane then there's a gap it's like there's a chink and i'm there waving on the other side of the chink going yeah come into this other reality where we can dream a new way into being and that's why you know we're calling 2020 year of the tree we've decided that we are going to that humanity needs to step into the age of restoration you know mm -hmm. am i going to ask anybody permission as to whether or not we can come out with a global campaign saying on mass can we step into the age of restoration no what you know because i just think it's necessary and i think it's a great idea and what could we create together if we made that conscious choice mm. now one of the interesting things i think is going on right now is i used to be queen catharsis you know if i wasn't howling and wailing on the floor then nothing was changing now as i've moved on in my own spiritual practice and as i'm like plugged more and more into nature's systems and nature's power we need less and less of that because there's actually a huge amount of momentum at the levels of consciousness that are needed to lift out the stains in our collective psyche that hold us back mm. nature is no longer interested in us being held back so if you give her an inch, she'll give you a mile. You know, if you, if you open an inch, she'll give you a mile. Like we have capacity to shift our consciousness now as never before, because in, in a way we've pulled so far away from ourselves. Like the, the distortion is so great. There's a, there's a, an, a massive tension between us and the truth. And if you just turn around, that tension will want to pull you back to the truth so damn fast. And that pullback to the truth might be painful, but it's a homecoming. Yeah. And yeah. so there's this really profound longing in humanity right now to come home to ourselves. And home means we belong to this planet and we belong to ourselves and our gifts mean something and our leadership is valid and our need for love is beautiful. And what actually is a human being? And we get to redefine it. And, and that's actually the truth of who we are. So we're just coming home. And so there's, a, there's another way of looking at this to say climate change is the greatest opportunity for a homecoming that life has ever had. And it just makes me want to cry and I will cry now. And it's like, can the indigenous people on our planet hold space for us to come home? Because they haven't lost it. Or at least we've beaten it out of them as much as possible. But there's, there's still enough of a thread of that deep connection to nature and an understanding of its reverence that they hold, that if we can just stop killing them and start respecting them and make one of our absolute priorities that no more indigenous people die, you know, 200 in Colombia alone in the last month or something, like yeah. the people on the front lines who are protecting the ecosystems that we cannot live without have to be protected as an absolute fundamental priority. And then we need to ask them how to live and have enough humility to understand that living in relationship with natural systems is not a backward step for us. There's nothing evolved or developed about trashing your ecosystem and turning into things that you throw away into trash heaps and poisoning our world and poisoning our oceans and then telling all these indigenous people that they should be doing that and that that's a more developed way of living. That is a, that is normalized insanity. But the, but they're still holding the sanity and they're holding that consciousness. So that consciousness does exist and it's in all of us and it's bowing with enough humility to be able to actually surface that. And so that's why reveal is step one for us. It's do we, can we collectively have enough humility to say, I don't know, show me, can life show me? 
Can nature show me? Can the indigenous people show us how to live? And then the next step is, and can I open my heart and understand that we're all in this together? And can we stop othering? And can we stop judging? And can we just choose to create the world that we want? And then step three, can we step back into relationship with the natural world as the source of all of our knowing? Because if we can do one, two, and three, four and five take care of itself, you can only live in a certain way as if life matters, if your mind and your heart and your body are open to the truth. Because the truth is what, the truth is, is there. You can't pretend it's not there. You can't say that human beings aren't loving and needing love. And you can't say that we're not made of the natural world. And if you poison the natural world, we're not going to be poisoned. Like, it's just the truth. And so if we move into relationship with ourselves at that level, the rest will take care of itself. Claire Dubois, I love your clarity, your passion, your commitment. I, I hate that we're running out of time, <laughs> but you know, I so want people to find out. So your uh, website, I take it they can find out about the, the uh, full moon things that you're happening on treesisters.org. I, I want to invite you to be on our monthly global new moon call to expand this audience and we have to do more of this and go deeper. It's just such an honor for me to be with you and to feel the depth of your passion in my body and awaken that which is sleeping in me. So just for all of our listeners, thank you. It's such a pleasure. And I'm just gonna request 10 seconds to just say to everybody, Mm If you want our planet to thrive, then you cannot keep pumping carbon into the atmosphere. Watch climate change coming towards you and do nothing about it. Mm. We're not gonna save our world with recycling. It's not enough. You know, We need each of us to be pulling as much carbon out of the atmosphere as we possibly can. And that means seriously looking at your finances, seriously looking at how much you can reallocate to giving back to nature so that she can help cool our world down. And that requires fast-growing tropical trees. We're planting in Madagascar and India and Nepal and Brazil and Kenya and Cameroon. Our projects are exemplary. They're beautiful. They're varied. They're very, very diverse. There's eight of them. We're probably about to move into Mozambique, Papua New Guinea, possibly Haiti, possibly Amazonia, any minute now. Doing all of these things in the hopes that I can bring people in because I need every single listener here to actually make a choice in this moment. Am I going to act as if this world matters and as if future generations matter? And if they do, please come to treesisters.org forward slash donate and start giving back to trees because they provide the air that you breathe. They provide the rain that provides your food. They provide a habitable climate that you have taken for granted along with every other one of us all our lives. There is no more taking life for granted. If we're going to earn a planet that is habitable, then we need to give her back to herself. We need to create it. And that means dynamic relationship between human and nature. And that has to start now. So Mm -hmm. please, all of you, you'll find many different ways into tools and processes and practices and meditations that are all there for inner work to help you reconnect with the natural world. And then let us do the impact that we're here for, which is tropical reforestation. This is a dream I want to step in. And I'm sure many of our listeners will be getting a hold of you. Claire Dubois, thank you so much. It's awesome to be with you and uh, much love to you. Thank you so much, Michael. Conversations is an independently produced program supported by KVMR 89.5 Nevada City and listener contributions. We are committed to bringing you leading edge thinking in the areas of environmental restoration, social justice, and spiritual fulfillment. If you would like to receive our complimentary newsletter, The Well of Light, make a contribution or order any of our past shows, go to our website at arewelistening.net.